You know, when we're out of sorts, I'm glad um, that God's still at work, right? Like, even when we're out of sorts, He's always uh, in sorts. Uh, we don't need to be, uh, have it all figured out in order for God to work because He is at work. And I'm thankful that a God doesn't need me to be okay. Like, He is okay, and He is at work in our lives. And so I pray this morning that whatever you're carrying, whether it be awesome or whether it be heavy, that we would continue to lay things aside because He is at work in our lives right now and wants to be at work in our lives. Um, I'm very thankful and humbled to get to be here this morning um, and get to, to preach before you. And so as we continue on in uh, the Unconventional Wisdom sermon series that uh, Pastor Shane's been kind of leading us through, and this Unconventional Wisdom Uh, Today we go again, just as Jamie had read, into Ecclesiastes 5, uh, and today uh, we start to talk about money. Feel the enthusiasm right there, right? Like, as soon as we do that, everybody's like, well, as we're talking about this, you know, and it's funny as we've gone through Ecclesiastes, uh, this has been a really good sermon series for my family. It's been things that God's been kind of jogging through my mind and making me think about things about work and, uh, and about life. Um, it's interesting right now. I was talking to my wife about it. She says there's things that it's been interesting uh, that God's been doing with her. And then my kids, my kids, all of a sudden, Caleb was like going, I don't think I've gone through Ecclesiastes in a long time. I'm liking this. I'm liking this. This is just new and everything, which I'm like going, if he's talking about it, I'm like, that's a good thing. And then my daughter was like going, she's like, I read through three chapters of Ecclesiastes. And I'm like going, you can read? Like, you know, it just, it was, it's just been a good sermon series in that moment of going through this. And so as we continue on, uh, again, this main passage, Ecclesiastes 5, 10 through 20, uh, we see this idea here. We seek guidance in how to manage our finances from all sorts of places, books, podcasts, radio hosts, and financial plow- planners. However, no one ever explains that the love of, and lust after more can be a starting place for anxiety, stress, sleepless nights, and idolatry. It can even result in leaving the faith. We enter this world with nothing, and so we leave with the same. Our understanding of money should be it's a gift from God and therefore not to be worshipped, but properly managed. Now, as we start this out, I'm going to ask a question. I know this is always dangerous, but I wanted to have a little bit of feedback to see if we would get feedback. So is it okay if I ask a question and we'll get feedback? Or you can sit there and say, Sean, we're going to take a vote right now. We all vote. We're going to be quiet. Please don't ask any questions. So, all right. So here's what we're going to try. Why can money and God almost be considered at times viewed the same? Why can it be idolatry? Why? You can worship both, absolutely, you can worship both. Why? What does money seem to provide like God does? Security? Enjoyment? Power? Meets your needs? Almost like an auction going on here. I got right over here. I'm going on this one. I'm going on every trade going on. All right, sold. Here we go. All right, so we look at this, and it is interesting that idolatry uh, of money, we have this with God and we have this with money. We look at it at times, God is called to provide security, meaning, provision, 
safety, all these things. But somehow money, we get in there and we're like going, if I just had enough money, I would be safe. If I just had enough money, I'd be able to provide for my needs. If I just had this, I would finally be happy. And yet, what is it that happens many times? We get this false sense where we get it. And people that talk about that, that yes, absolutely, money can buy you happiness. Look how happy I am. Except for the fact that they're in the moment. You get further down and sometimes people are like going, they're miserable. They're broken. They realize that no matter what, the best doctors, the best health insurance, and the best money can't buy you extended life. True? No matter what. And so here as we look at today, this idea of money, what are we called to look at it? How do we look at it through a biblical lens of what God has given to us and how to look at it this way? So let's go to Ecclesiastes. Let's go to read the first part again. We're going to read 10 through 12. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. So let's think about this for a moment. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Uh, John D. Rockefeller, uh, one of the wealthiest men to ever exist in the American uh, history of everything. In fact, at one point in time, at his greatest uh, height of wealth, he basically had 3% of the GDP of America. Of all the money, there was 3% of the GDP of having that. He had a huge amount of money. And at one point in time, somebody asked, um, how much money is enough? How much money is enough? Anybody know what he said? Just a little more. Just a little more. You know, this mentality is really interesting, church, that if we don't watch it, Money will not buy happiness. But somehow we're caught in the illusion that it will. Because I don't know about you, but there are times that I get caught in the illusion. Can we be honest? There are moments when all of a sudden we're like going, if we just had this much more, if we just had this, if we just had this. I remember at one point in time when my wife and I first were married. I found out the other day in looking through things, because I was just curious. I found out the other day, my wife and I, when we got married, that we were just a few thousand dollars above the poverty line. Just a few thousand dollars above the poverty line. I thought we were below the poverty line. We were a few thousand dollars pretty good, right? Didn't feel like it at the time. And so there were moments as we were trying to figure things out. And my wife and I, our first arguments were not over money. It was over the idea of the method of money. She believed we should pay all of our bills. If we've got it, pay all of our bills. I was like going, save the money because if we have a flat tire, then we have a little bit and we'll figure out how to pay that bill. But you got to have a little bit of savings. She's like, pay all your bills and live off of 12 bucks and we'll have potatoes. We would have arguments we would have throwdowns 
Over what? We had nothing. And then all of a sudden, we were blessed and we had a little bit more. And then we had a little bit more. And do you know what we did four years into our marriage after we got a little bit more? We were still having arguments over things at times. How is it that you can get more and think that's going to make it better, and yet for some reason, it doesn't? Anybody think what I'm, do you you agree what I'm saying? You know why? Because we think that if we don't watch it, money is going to be the answer to what we need. It will never be the answer. It is a false God making false promises. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. If your goal is money, if your goal is this is my provider, this is what will make me happy, you will be sadly always coming up short every single time. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? When goods increase, here it is, I have more wealth, there's more goods. You know what happens when I have more goods? More people come to consume them. Bills come to consume them. People come to consume them. The more things that I have, the more people come around, the more goods, the more people. And all I can do is look and go, there they go. There they go. There they go. But sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much. But the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. It's interesting when we are focused on money, there's a lot of anxiety that's created by this. If we don't watch the way we view money through the wrong lens, it doesn't create peace, it creates anxiety, it creates frustration, it creates aggravation. We are not at rest and not at peace. But it's interesting, the laborer, the laborer in this moment is it gives a a concept that this laborer, the laborer works for the sake of working, not for his paycheck. He just works. Not that he doesn't get paid and not that that's not important. It is important. But the laborer focuses on his labor. Has he done a good job for the day? Has it been pleasing? Does he feel satisfied with what's happened? But the person that's focused on money isn't worried about the job. They're just worried about the paycheck. They can cut corners. Why? It doesn't matter. The paycheck, because that's what matters. I can leave early, 30 minutes. The boss isn't here. Nobody's around. It doesn't really matter uh, because I'm going to get paid. That's the focus. But when it becomes about work, it becomes in this moment of, if we can look at it in certain ways, how can I do this to the glory of God? Or how can I just work to do work? But if it's about money, it's interesting the thing that we will sacrifice, cut corners, and do in order to receive this provision, this happiness. Money will not buy happiness. We go on. 13, there's a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is a father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. It's interesting because 
it would seem that the more money we have, the more problems it can create. The more money we have, the more problems that we can create if we're focused on money. The idea of hoarding comes about when all of a sudden we keep gathering and we keep gathering and we keep gathering and we keep gathering. But for what purpose? What's the purpose of hoarding it? Here in this scenario, we have this as, as we are being spoken to by the scripture it says, There's a grievous evil I have seen that riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. Collected, 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 collected. And then all of a sudden, the bottom fell out and everything was gone. It's interesting, church, that if we don't watch it, if we look at the lens only through money and not through God, who is the provider. By the way, it's a reminder. You, you do know that your paycheck is not your provider, right? If you're a follower of Christ. Like it's given to you, but God is your provider. God is your provider. If you make it about your paycheck, what happens if your job is gone? What happens if something happens? What happens if the economy falls to pieces? What happens if one day you've walked in and you're doing well and all of a sudden they're like going, thank you for your service, we're done. You want to know what I know the good news is this? The good news is this. A follower of Christ in that moment that has looked unto God, my God promises to be a provider. And so does yours if you know Jesus. Paychecks are good. God calls us to work. Those are good things. But I know right now that God has provided for me over and 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 over again. When I've had moments where things have happened in this world, sometimes by my stupidity, which I don't think God blesses, but shows grace, and sometimes by things out of my control. How many of you can say right now that God has showed up in times when things are out of your control and God has shown up to provide for you? How many can raise your hand and say that? It ain't your paycheck, it's God. Be a good steward, work, do those things. But God is the one that takes care of his children. But when we hoard, thinking it's going to provide, then all of a sudden, the bottom falls out. Then what? If that was our hope. How many of y'all are feeling good about the economy right now? Right? It's interesting listening to people. It's like going, man, we just had this. Trying to figure out how to retire. I'm trying to figure out living off my retirement. I'm trying to figure this. I'm trying to figure that. And all those things, again, through the lens of wisdom. But if that's going to be the way that we're going to make it, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be a sad puppy. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is a father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. Here he has as an inheritance to be able to give to his children. In this moment, chooses to do so. And yet, this bad venture, hoarding all this, going to be able to do all this, and then all of a sudden, the bottom falls out. It's all gone, and he has nothing to give his child if it was the focus of 
And, and church, this is the reality that happens, right? We live in a volatile world. And the author here, through the Holy Spirit that's giving this to us, is reminding us, where is your hope? Many times, the more money we have, the more problems we have. If we don't watch the lens of what takes place, of why we're gathering this. It goes on. Verse 15. And... As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again naked as he came and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This is also a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness in much vexation and sickness and anger. You enter this world with nothing and you will leave it with nothing in this physical realm. Right? It would be interesting what would happen if we really had that mindset as believers. Because sometimes I'm not so sure that we get caught up in the lie of building our kingdom. Our kingdom. We look at this in, with Job and the story of Job. Remember that Job had been blessed by God to have everything. So much wealth. He has all these livestock. That's how they, they do it at that point in time. All this livestock, large family, all these things. And Satan comes to God, and God's like, have you seen my servant Job? And the enemy's like going, the only reason he loves you is because you've given him wealth. Take it away. Take away everything he's got, and then see what he says. The only reason, the only reason why Job loves you is because you gave him and he has this cushy life. But take it away and he'll curse you. So he loses that. Then later on he loses his health. And there are many people that at times when suffering comes about or losing everything, some people go, well, where is God? God must not love me because this hurts. God must not love me because I don't have these things. God must not love me. But Job in this moment tells us this. He says, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's a mentality at times that I've had to practice because I am a whiner at times. What about you? When you have lost something, have you sit there and said, praise be unto God, or have you sit there and gone, I'm so mad right now? Maybe some of you are mature and looking at me going, I don't know why Sean's doing that because I haven't had that problem. Praise God. 
How many of you have gone through those moments where you've lost stuff and then you've whined towards God? But church, you were born with nothing in this world. You will leave with nothing in this world that's physical. Everything is going to be gone. It says in 16, this also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Grasping after this is I'm going to make my kingdom to make me secure and safe with the ability of money being the top God in my life to do this is folly. It's folly. First Timothy said this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Listen to that again. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. We look at this idea of of these false teachers that open the Bible and they talk about how money God wants to bless with money and God wants to give with money. And I'm not telling you that God can't do that. I'm not telling you that God at times doesn't open up and bless, but I'm going to tell you right now, he doesn't do that everywhere in all places. Because many people get caught up and say, well, I've prayed for this. They said to do this, and so I prayed, and so, but I haven't received anything. So God must not love me. False, abominable, damnable things that take away from the gospel and the hope of faith in Christ. If we look at it through the lens of understanding, God in the Old Testament did choose to give wealth at times as a blessing. We see this with Solomon. God asked Solomon, whatever you want, I will give it to you, right? Riches, wealth, any of these things. But Solomon prays and asks God to answer that by, I want wisdom. And then when he said that, God was like, that is the right answer. And so not only will I give you wisdom, I'll give you all these other things. And so they gave wealth. And God gave wealth at times to be able to go against other gods as a sign of going, I'm the God that's over everything. And so he gives a blessing. But that got hijacked by people, by some people in Israel, and they began to hijack the blessing and make it some kind of statement by saying at times, well, because I have wealth, God has blessed me, but because you're poor, he has not. Thus, you're not right with God, I am. We see this with the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler becomes, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus goes through every opportunity to try to get him to catch his thinking 
to be desperate unto God. But finally, he gives the last one and he goes, take all your wealth. I want you to just give it away. Sell all your possessions. Come follow me. And he walked away sad. And Jesus said how difficult it is for the rich to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples are shocked because they're like going, who then can enter? Because the belief has been this. God has given this sign of wealth and and he's given this. But when we take what God's blessing is and we make it some type of status symbol about ourselves, we have taken advantage of God. Because it's not about wealth. It's about Him. If we don't change our mindset, verse 17, moreover, all His days He eats in darkness in much vexation and sickness and anger. If He is trying to build His kingdom and He doesn't change His mindset to realize it is God that's going to be my provider and the blessings that are given to me are supposed to be stewards and invested correctly and whatever. And if God gives it to the glory of God, and if he takes it to the glory of God, but if I make it about just the wealth, that mentality, I live always doing this. Oh, how am I going to make it? Oh, how am I going to make it? Oh, how am I going to make it? Lives. Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and much vexation and sickness and anger. How many of you at times have worried about something and made yourself sick because you didn't know how you were going to take care of something financially? How'd that work out for you? Did you sit there in that moment and you were like going, Lord, I left your name on high. I'm taking it back to the 90s. But I love singing your praise. No, you were sitting there going like this. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to make it. You didn't do anything to be at peace. I will guarantee you God was at work. And I guarantee you that God took care of it. Just sometimes not the way we'd like. But he's always right, Amen. One more thing I want to just kick on this last point. You enter with nothing and so you will leave with nothing. And that is absolutely true. There's nothing on this physical earth that we're going to do that we we came in with nothing, we're going to leave with nothing. But there is something that's interesting that Jesus begins to give us to think about. In Matthew 6, 19, Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Now church, I want us to think about this for a moment because the Bible alludes at different times to rewards that we will have and rewards that we get. In fact, many a times if we read through there, there's this interesting moment where the Bible gives these kind of different Positions where somebody who puts, puts faith in Christ and trusts him, but it even says in one moment, he will make it just as if through the fire. He just made it in. Just made it in. But 
then there is also something we see in Revelation, the 24 elders, and we see the crowns. And it talks about at times that when the trumpets sound and everything that goes out and the angels call out, that all of a sudden the 24 elders take their crowns off their heads and they bow down in worship and lay it at the feet of Jesus. It even talks about Christians that we will have crowns that are given as rewards as that of faith. Now, just an interesting concept to think about. Being a good steward with money is a good thing. God's called us to do that. But if I'm so focused on my stocks and my Roth and my retirement and and building things and getting things and doing things here, I wonder what would happen if all of a sudden I shifted my mind and said, God, these things I'm going to do as worship unto you, but you're going to control it. But what I'm really going to think about is faith unto you because where I want is I want my retirement to be here. Because here is what goes through my mind. And I don't know if I'm right, but here's what goes through my mind. I think about this. I hope that the things that I'm doing with God are not out of moral obligation or trying to be a good person or trying to make sure that I don't do bad things, but that my life is based in love and faith with Christ in walking with him, in loving others, in doing the things he calls me to do, even if nobody likes it. Even I'm called in that moment to be able to trust him and do things to build his kingdom and that my belief is that with each one of those moments, there's a reward that's given to me for here. There's a crown, there's something that's laid, there's something that I get, there's something in that moment so that at the very end of time, that when the trumpet sounds or whatever called out, I'm able to take off whatever is given to me and lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, this was all about you. This had nothing to do with me. I trusted that you said who you were. You've always proven yourself true. It is a moment to give God, this was about you. I don't want to be the person that just passed through the flames to make it. Again, there will be no jealousy or comparison in heaven. I get it. There will not be any of that. But church, I think that we need to get a better biblical understanding. That there's something about rewards in heaven that we don't think about. We get a bonus from work, possibly. We get a raise. We do those things. We're all about that. We get excited about that. What about the rewards that are heavenly? Because those are the ones that last for eternity. The retirement, those different things. Again, not that we can't be good stewards, but church, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be some people that were whizzes with money that won't have much to show to God in heaven. And there will be some people in this moment that were whizzes with money thinking it was, and it was their God. And they did not trust Jesus Christ. And they will be eternally damned and condemned for all of eternity because they worried about their kingdom and not about trusting Jesus as the only way of salvation and following after him. As we go to this last part, verse 18. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun. The few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them 
and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. For he will not remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. Every good gift comes from God. Some people are granted wealth upon wealth upon wealth. Praise be unto God. Do it for his glory. Don't do it for your kingdom. If you have this ability and stuff that's been given to you, we know that we can't take it with us. So there's moments to be able to stop. It, let me put it to you this way. If you keep thinking about how you're going to be happy in the future by doing all this, you don't know if you're going to get your future. If you're living for retirement, I'm going to tell you right now, you may not make it. If you're doing all this and say, I, when I finally get done, then I can live. If you're not living now, God's given us this moment right here, right now. This is the only moment that I have been given. I'm not promised the next. When I'm given that, if God gives it to me, to enjoy it. Not that we don't plan. Be a steward. Plan, but don't live in the future. I tell people all the time, it's interesting. It's like we think we have a time machine, right? And we get into our time machine and we go back and we go back to the past and we sit there and say, oh, I wish I would have never said that. I wish I'd have never done that. So we jump in our time machine and we go back here and we live in the past. How often does that change anything? Zero. But then I, have my, then I have my time machine and I'm like going, oh, I wonder what it'll be like when I get all these things and I plan all this stuff and I have all this. And so I'm going to jump in my time machine. I'm going to go in the future and I'm going to live in this future. Oh, look what I'm doing. I am doing amazing things in the future. Oh, look how much enjoy I'm enjoying myself so much. Oh, I love this future. You're not there. There's a difference between dreaming and fantasizing, planning some people live in the future, and some people live in the past, and the one thing you don't is live in the present to really live. So if God's given me the ability right now, I want to take advantage and say, God, thank you for this moment, and here, this is where I live to take enjoyment. Do your family play board games? Do you all play board games to have fun or to beat the other person into a pulp? We try to invite, uh, we try to have game night with our kids and we were trying to do things. And, um, and as we invited our kids to play board games, I've realized something. They don't like board games and it may be because of me. I, am, I, am, I have learned to be a good loser, okay? I have learned to do that. My wife confronted me at one point in time after I had beaten her a billion times, and I'm like going, oh, this was so much fun, and my wife is like going, it is. It's good because I'm spending time with you, and I'm like going, mm, that's not it, you know? So it's like, here, we're doing all this, and then all of a sudden, she beats me. I mean, beats me bad. We're playing Risk. That's like the monopoly of 12 hours of playing. We played Risk. She beat me in 30 minutes. 30 
I was rolling ones, she was rolling sixes. We're done in 30 minutes. And this is how I did it. And I took the board and I was just sweeping things off and putting it up and doing this and everything. I was going, so glad we played this game. My wife looked at me and she's like, why is it that I can celebrate you, but you can never celebrate me? It's the reason why you're supposed to be silent, woman, okay? Take the Bible out of context there. But then I realized when I had my kids, I'd learned to be a good loser, but my problem is, is we would get together and it would be like we'd be playing and we'd be talking, we'd be laughing, we'd be doing something, but the game, I would look at it and I'm like going, it's your turn, it's your turn, it's your turn. Roll the dice, we've talked for five minutes, get going. And I'm like the game police. We're supposed to be finishing the game. My wife caught me one day and she looked at me and she goes, you know, you're missing memories and moments here. Nobody's going to probably remember who won the game. But they will remember the stories and the laughter and the attitudes that are going on on this. And I was like... The life you have been given, this is the moment you live in. Unless you choose not to. It's your choice. We can choose to engage with God in faith right now in this moment and say, God, even if things are difficult, even if I'm stressed, even that has nothing to do that you're, you are in control, you are faithful. And as we trust and put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're able to live in the moment that whether it's good or bad, praise be unto God because he's at work. Amen. This is the moment where we live. But if you're trying to create this future with wealth or you're trying to do something, I'm not saying that we can't be good stewards. The Bible even talks to us about being good stewards. But if your hope is in this, you're not living. And you don't get the next moment possibly. This is the moment you have. How do we live it unto faith unto God? And church, as we wrap up this morning, it's the same thing with today. What God desires from you is relationship, not moral obligation and not coming to church. You are a sinner and I am a sinner that has broken God's law by choosing our way that we think is right. And we have spit in the face of God with all the standards that he's given. The standards were given to show us that we are sick, that we are death riddled and filled and that if we're going to try to go to God based on our actions, we will fail miserably. But thanks be unto God of a God that understood that we and his grace and mercy, it's not about what we've done. It's about what he has done through Jesus Christ on the cross and the resurrection. That today, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would come face to face with not only your sin, and how you have wronged a holy God, but a God that loves you, that is compassionate, and that laid down his very life so that you would not spend eternity away from him. A God that has died, that has risen again, that those who put faith in Jesus and saying, I have not lived morally perfect, I have blown it, I have messed up, but Jesus, I trust you said you would be my righteousness, my all in all, and so not only do I give my life to you, but you are now Lord, and however you want to do it, I will follow 
you. Today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, when's the last time you thought about it? When's the last time you really grappled with God about this? If you do have a relationship with Jesus and you're in the midst of sin and you're justifying it, that you would repent today and say, God, it's no longer about my way, but it's about yours. I've trusted you as my Lord and Savior, but I've not really let you be Lord in every area of my life. And that today, if you're dealing with money, that today you may sin, repent this way, of saying, God, I've put too much stock in that, and so, Lord, I want this wealth to be used for you, even if it's two mites of a widow. Lord, I want you to be well-pleased with how I have faith. And if God's given you much, and this is an area where you are good with God, that today you give him praise and say, God, yet again, it's all about you. This is how he's called us to live our lives in faith towards the one who has loved us. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, we thank you again for your faithfulness. Father, we thank you that you have given us your word. And Lord, I thank you that your word has been written over thousands of years. Lord, that we don't just have one snapshot in time, but Lord, we see you throughout everything and you are consistent always. Father, we pray today that you would encounter us where we are at. Lord, if it's dealing with finances today, Father, that we would, whatever you're dealing with us, would do it with you in the right way. Attitude, actions, whatever it is. Father, that you would be well pleased with what we are doing, with what you have given us in this moment of time. And Lord, I pray for brothers and sisters that they're carrying things that have nothing to do with this sermon topic today. Lord, that you've been speaking to them over and over again of your great love and that today, Lord, you're calling them to deal with that in a way that's of faith and not worry or frustration or anger. But Lord, to actually lay that down to you to watch you who's already at work continue to be at work so that you get the glory. And we all say amen and amen. And it's your name that we pray, Lord Jesus.